here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. if you'd like. And then last week we had Vision Sunday. So who was here for Vision Sunday? That was awesome. We just said we're going to be about not hiding the light, the light of God, because the light is in us. We're not trying to get light into us. We're trying to get the light out. Amen. We're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're working not for our salvation. And in that I thought like, okay, but there's some questions about the will of God. Because we said the will of God was for Jesus to basically make man righteous or justify man unto righteousness so that we can live forever. That's the will of God according to Hebrews 10. So the will of God has been fulfilled, but now the will of God needs to manifest. Okay, so God is not coming up with something new. We sang the song, you've been the same through the ages. Your love never changes. Amen. I mean, we didn't sing that just because it's a light beat and it rhymes. It is nice, huh? and it rhymes. <laughs> it's a good song, but it's true. So if God is the same through the ages, then we need to better understand the Old Testament, I believe. Because when we read the Old Testament, we are like Job and his friends often, where we think we know God, but we don't really have a clue. So we will know, we're going to have to touch on Job soon, I'm realizing. But they have 40, 41 chapters of Job and 41 chapters of confusion. <laughs> Literally, read the book, read it till the end. There's 41 chapters of confusion, and then God shows up and says, you think you know me, but you don't. And then what does Job say? Lord, I realize I didn't know you, so what do I do? He says, I with, with track, retract everything I've said. In Job 42, Job says, I retract everything I said. So you see, we need to understand and rightly divide the word of truth, because if we're just going to open Job and read it as scripture, thus saith the Lord, and we don't read what Job and his friends got um, corrected at what Job said I, was, I retract then we don't understand rightly the, 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 full, the full message Amen so the question I have for you this morning is do I get to know God and I, I started off with do we and then I know you need to make it personal and this is, this is for you Amen I know what's coming so I'm already prepared do I get ask yourself do I get to know God and if your answer is yes, that's a good answer. Then the second answer is, can I get to know him more? Okay, Because this is the series, getting to know God better. But we need to start off with this, because not everyone understands that we get to know God. You don't need to get to know God through anyone. You can get to know God personally. That's very important. So it's a personal relationship that you have with your father. Amen? If you look at the kings, you look at Esther, she didn't even really know the king, and he was her husband. She was fearful to approach her husband. So she maybe knew him too well. And she knew the, the kind of man that he was, and that he would maybe kill her just for coming into his throne room. But my Bible, and your Bible too, says, let's boldly enter the throne of grace. Because that's where God is enthroned. He is sitting, he is seated, he's at rest, 
and he is on the throne of grace. But we sang a song just now that said God has been the same through the ages. So God didn't somewhere find the throne of grace and go sit on it. And then they strap him down so he doesn't get up and get angry again. I know it sounds facetious, but that's what a lot of people believe. And he was like, but the blood, but Jesus. Like, God's like, yes, I know, I sent him. But Jesus, I'm like, no, I sent him. Why did you send him, Lord Father? Because of love. So I loved you, Romans 5 says, while you were yet sinners. So can sin then stop the love of God? Can sin stop the flow of the love of God towards you? No, because while you were yet a sinner, God sent his, his love in the form of His Son. That's beautiful. How did God show His love? He didn't write a letter. He had a son. The kingdom, Colossians says, you have been translated from where? The kingdom of darkness. So that's where you were. So are you still there? Are you in and out? <laughs> no, you're not. You've been translated from somewhere. Where to? Into the kingdom of the son of his love. That, that's the translation. So the manifestation, the visibility, the making known, the making visible, that's manifestation. It's not the creation. Manifestation is not creation. Manifestation is showing something that is already there. Are you with me? So God manifested the love which he already had since when? Since the beginning, because that is who he is. God didn't wake up one day and say, I'm had enough of being angry, I'm going to be loving now. It's facetious again, but that's what some people believe. Or Jesus showed up and said, God, you better change yourself because I'm not paying the price. No. For God so loved the world that he did what? He sent Jesus. He gave him. Why? So that we could be translated from the reign of darkness into. A new kingdom. But now the kingdom is also in us. So it's weird. But it's also. But it's spiritual. You see, Pilate believed more than we realize. Because Pilate was willing to let Jesus go free. Because he believed Jesus when he said, my kingdom is not of this world. But somehow Christians want to make the kingdom of this world. We want to manifest materialism. Remember I prayed for soft hearts and you're going to receive the word with gladness and that you're not going to be offended. I pray those things for a reason. But what we need to share is truth. Because what does truth do? It sets free. So we need to know, first of all, can we get to know God? And I had in worship a picture, um, and I believe this is how some of us see God. Okay, So this is not how God sees you. This is how some of us see God. And we see this hard egg, like an eggshell. And we think he is so father and he's almighty and he's sovereign and he's, he's, he's like hard. He's unreachable. But God sort of says, invites you this morning, if you, just, if you just go through the shell, then you'll see the goodness of God. He is almighty, yes, because somehow he needs to contain who he is. He limited himself, but he limited himself to his word. So the limitation is not that God is limited, but that everything that He wants to, to say with us is in the Word. 
That's one way to see the way that God has limited himself. He's limited himself to his word. So we cannot start a ministry and say, I'm going to add some chapters to the Bible. There are ministries like that. Because my Bible says that Paul was the one who fulfilled the word of God. doesn't mean he added to it. It means he explained what was already there. He revealed the mystery which was hidden from ages and generations. So see, when we read the Old Testament, we need to go through and penetrate the shell, which is the mystery, and then see the goodness of God, the love of God, which is the reality. So the life of an egg is not in the shell, is it? So some of us got hurt in church. Now we don't want to give God an opportunity. But it's not about people who hurt you, is it? That's the shell. That's the containment of what? Life. But it's about the life in the shell. And that is who we give a chance. Amen? Think about it. You, you, you give God a chance. Well, nice on you. Huh? Well done. Yes, so good, God Almighty, the one who created you, the one who spoke this world into being, you're giving him a chance. Amen. But guess what? He'll take that chance. He is so good that he will take that chance. I know so many people who's like, if God, if you're real, you better show up. He shows up. Amen. That's how good he is. God, I don't understand you, but if, you, if you're real, if you're serious, you better. And then it happens. And you bump into someone, you open a verse, or you hear a song, or you have a dream, or someone shares the gospel with you. Why? Because he is so, so, so in love with you. That the slightest chance that you're going to give him to show you how much he loves you, he's going to take it, and he's, going to, he's not going to just gently, he's going to come all in. He's going to go. If you, as I just scream from your heart, he's going to punch. And he's going to come love you. And you won't even know what happened. And sometimes we get saved in those moments and we don't know what happened and we need to come to church to, to understand what happened. Because the greatest miracle is, is um, to be born again and it happens so quickly often that we miss it. It's so, so important. So we've been looking at the will of God. We've been looking at the vision and the purposes of God. And I believe we now need to go on and see, can we get to know God even better? Can we take this further? We are invited into a relationship with God, but even that might sound like a foreign or an alien concept. Why is the relationship with God? What does it mean? It's a good thing. But how is your relationship with God? Do you have a relationship with God? Is it Jesus said, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden? From what? Religion. And I will give you? So come to me, that's relational. We, we miss that. He said, come close. Come to me. And I will give you rest. In John 10, Jesus says, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I didn't come to kill, steal, or destroy. I came for another reason. What is that reason? To give you life and abundance. Again, don't limit it to materialism. I came to give you Zoe. I came to give you the spiritual, eternal, everlasting, godly kind of life. And I'm giving it to you so much that it's going to overflow. That's the abundance. And then when it overflows, then some people get wet. Amen? That's what Ruan said. Like, just stir up what's in you and some people might get wet around you. The life of God. I'm going to say it again. 
The life of God is where? Inside in you. Now some people say, tell your face. <laughs> Live your mission. Join us. Don't hide what is in you. Don't hide your life. We get to know God better. There's many misconceptions about God. Religion has pretty much put millions of unbelievers off of God. And has messed up millions of Christians' view of who God really is. That's very true. Religion is, is toxic. If you read John 10, it's not the thief, it's not the devil. The thief is religion. The thief is self-effort. The, the thief is a system of performance in which and by which to attain the life of God which He freely wants to give to you. Because the Word says in John 10, prior to verse 10, that the thief, anyone who jumps over the fence, or anyone who does not enter by the gate, he is a a thief and a robber. Then we take John 10, 10 out of context and we blame the devil, baby. You see, the devil is much less of a factor than we, than we think. Because it's, the alien is here. The word says you are aliens in your minds. So we get to come into the presence of God. We come into the love of God, the embrace of God, who God really is. And we get to know God better but we, we have to start off somewhere, and what you want is you want to encounter Father. And I don't know what your Father was like or is like, but I have a little glimpse of what God is like. And God is good. Amen? And God is love. Amen? And God is loving, and God is kind. Who is God? God is love. 1 John 4 makes it abundantly clear. He says, this is not love that you love God. No, God is not expecting. God is not on His throne looking to be honored. Amen? God is okay. But God is love. And love gives. And love generously gives. And love overflows. And love gives life. And love creates. And love overpowers. And love covers a multitude of sins. So even if you have sin, love can cover that. Even if you have a lot of sin, love can cover that. Even if you have a multitude of sins. Love still covers that. So where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. Grace is overflowing. Grace is abundant. When we view a view of God as distorted, the way we live is distorted. That's why this is so important. If our view, our understanding of who God is is distorted, our lives will be distorted. If our view of who God is is distorted, the songs we sing will be distorted. Yo, I struggle I struggle with worship music. And some of it like is Grammy nominee stuff. And I cannot sing with God please come into the room. God please fill us up. I, I, I cannot. Because the word says, I have filled you past tense to overflowing. I have poured out what I had to give. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God, please come. And then it's silence. And then you want to hear the voice and then the knock is on your heart. Hey, I'm here. I will never leave you. But I sinned and I made a mistake and I messed up. Well, God, there's a few things God can't do. One of them is He can't lie. Galatians elaborates on that. He says, if God cannot lie and God said, I'll never leave you, then, sorry for you, but God's never going to leave you. David said, even if I made my bed in Hades, in hell, in the place of the dead, God is there with me. 
You see, the gates of hell will not prevail. We think we have to stand behind the gates of heaven because the enemy is coming. The word says it's different. We are on the offense. You see, the church is waiting. But Jesus said, go. The church is standing at a red light which we created ourselves because Jesus said, go. The light is green. If you read through the book of Acts, they are going, 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 and then the Spirit hinders them. Or the Spirit redirects them. Or the Spirit moves them. Or the Spirit gives them a dream and says, don't go there, go there. Go to Macedonia. Don't go to wherever you were planning to go. But still, go. That's the life we get to live. That's why this is an adventure. But we need to get to know God to join that adventure. If your image of God is distorted, your life will be distorted. This is, this is crucial. This is foundational. You might think you've heard this before. Listen again. Because this is the determining factor of the direction of your life. So John 15, 15. Easy one to remember. Do you get to know God? That's the question. So John 15, 15 says, No longer do I call you servants or slaves. For a servant or a slave does not know what his master is doing. So many people live there. I have no clue what God is up to. Oh, but his ways are higher than our ways. And, 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 and all of that Old Testament thinking. I no longer relate to you, identify you as servants. The Greek there is slave. But I have called you friends. Wow. Now Proverbs is a book that we struggle with sometimes because where does it fit in? But Proverbs says there are friends that are closer than a brother. That's Jesus. I have called you friend, but this friend is closer than a brother. Because Romans 8 says that he is the firstborn among many brethren, many brothers and sisters. But then also we know we are the church of the firstborn, and the firstborn there is plural. So we are now all in him, we are now the firstborn. So he is not just a brother, he's also closer than a brother that he's one with you. See, it's, it's practical, but it's sometimes a bit difficult to think about these things. I've called you what? Friends. So can you have a relationship with your friend? Otherwise you're not a friend. <laughs> what you have on Facebook? I know we call them friends. This is not what Jesus was speaking about. Jesus doesn't want to follow you on Instagram. Amen? So sorry, he follows you every step of where you go. Because he goes there with you. It still sounds freaky for me. Huh? I follow you on Instagram. Please don't. Follow me. Like, creepy. But I know what I mean. This is not the friendship God is inviting you to. To like whatever He does. Or there's a miracle so we give a praise report. No, this is intimate. For all things that I've heard from where? My Father, I've done what with? I've made it known to you. So can we know the will of God? Some are not convinced. Do we know the will of God automatically? No. It's when we enter into friendship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit now leads and guides us into the fullness of truth according to John 16. Now we know the will of God. And then we live according to the will of God and then we're not confused. Who knows some confused Christians? Can I put two hands up? <laughs> Jesus said it shouldn't be like that. Because you are not servants. You are friends. And you know what? If I don't know what my friend is up to, I ask him. Hey, buddy, I don't understand what you're busy with. Like, what's this? And then 
if we have a, a friendship, then there's an answer. And it's the same here. So the Passion says, I have never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. And servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But I call you my most intimate friends, for I reveal to you everything that I've heard from the Father. It speaks about even those called from or cared for from the womb. That's why I, I bring that brotherhood in there. You are more than friends to him. You were born again. And now you share one spirit and one life with God. Through his son. Romans 8 again, verse 9 and 10. Verse 11 says, the same spirit. Not a different spirit. The same spirit. There's only one spirit. That spirit. The one who rose Christ from the dead is now in you. That's why you're close. Amen? Let's go to Luke 13. Luke 13, 22 says, And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. Where are you from? So who gets into the kingdom? Not those who live holy. Those who know God. Or rather, the word says, are known of Him. That's beautiful. Paul writes, and he says, those who know their God. I think it's in Galatians. He says, or rather, those who are known of Him. So it's mutual. God wants to know you. Think about it. God wants to spend time with you. But God wants you to get to know Him too. That's why Jesus came. To manifest, to reveal, to... It says He's the express image of the Father. So when you see Jesus and you see what He's like, then you have a good idea what God is like. Was Jesus loving? Was He caring? Was He a friend of sinners? Was He willing to lay down His life? Was He an egomaniac? Was He a glory seeker? No. He even told His disciples, are you also going to leave? If you want to leave, leave now. Good time. He wasn't building a crowd. I said it last week. Big ministries don't get people into heaven. The gospel does. The gospel is the only chance this world has of entering into eternity. But right when you enter into eternity, it's not fire insurance. It's friendship. That's where we miss it. That's where we, we undersell what we have to offer the world. We don't just have fire insurance. Yes, that's a byproduct, if you will. Because John 17, 3 says, This is life eternal, that you know God. And that you know that Jesus, Jesus Christ, who came from where? Whom He has sent. See, Jesus didn't just show up like hunky-dory. No, there was a purpose behind it. There was a mission behind it. Eternal life is not based on what you do, but it's based on who you know. You know in business, they say, it's not about what you do. It's about what you do. It's about who you know. Guess where they got that? Kingdom. You don't get to heaven because of what you do. You get to heaven because of who you know. So if you, if someone at work says, hey, you don't like get to, to, to promotion because of what you know. Eh? So it's like, who you know? 
I guess it's just like the kingdom. Excuse? <laughs> Share the gospel, baby. Come on. Let's take some people to, to heaven with us. Colossians 1.4 Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, wherefore you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel. So that's where we need to share the gospel, the word of truth, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and brings forth fruit as it does also in you when since the day you heard of it. But there's a hand. Since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. A lot of people here. That's first hand. But the, the, the fruit is in the knowing. I heard the gospel, I believe it was September 2006. I got really saved 1st of January 2007. So I heard, and then that germinated in my heart, but it sprang forth to life a few months later. That's why if we have a great message and there's no one raising their hand, I'm not disappointed. Because it's not in me, my job is not in the knowing. My job is to make sure you've heard. The Holy Spirit will convict into the knowing. Amen? I said it last week. My wish is... That wasn't the Holy Spirit, was it? The sound team had a meme this week where they said, uh, you keep on blaming the devil for your equipment, but baby, it's just old. My job is not to save the world. My job is to tell the world about the Savior. So your key performance indicator, your KPI is how many people have heard. We measure it on how many have known, because that's when the party kicks off in heaven. But that's not really what we can do much about. There's two parts. There's the hearing, because the word says, how will they hear... How will they believe without hearing? How will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? But the knowing happens in your heart. Or in those who you share with. So when you may make sure that you take the opportunity, that you share the gospel, that you explain the mystery clearly, this is last week's message, that you open your mouth, that's a good start, but then also clearly explain the gospel, then you've done your job. If you do it in truth and love, amen? They need to know it. Become fully acquainted with. That's the word knowing there. Become thoroughly acquainted. To know thoroughly. To know accurately. To know well. Eternal life starts the moment that you become a new creation. Interesting. We, we speak about John 17 often because it's the prayer of Jesus before he goes to the cross. But we don't always link John 17 3 to that context. So he says in verse 1, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. So how do we get eternal life? It's given. Don't miss that. The Son gives it. It's not worked for. It's a gift. That's why it's given. And this eternal life, this is eternal life, that they may know you, 
the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is life, is to know God. So how does Jesus then give us that? He opens the door to relationship. Be reconciled to God. That, isn't that the cry of the Father to this day? Prodigal son was out and about. But the cry of the Father has come home. Be reconciled. The son thought, come and confess. But he didn't even give him a chance because it wasn't about confession, it was about reconciliation. He came prepared, he had the speech, he wants to become a servant. He says, no, no, no. In this house, you're a son. In this house, you belong. But I've done this, and I went to Vegas, and I went to Amsterdam, and I went to... I don't care. Think about this. When did the prodigal son come to himself, the word did? When he was in the trough of the pigs. Why, why did he end there? He ran out of money. Think about that. He ran out of money. There's no holy encounter for him to come back. He just needed money. So did he earn it? He just had a need. He needed money. He needed food. He needed clothing. He needed what money could buy. So he wasn't Mr. Righteous when he came back. He was Mr. Needy. Think about it. That, this, this, this breaks my brain because he didn't come back to be reconciled. He came back because he was hungry. Sure. But just the fact that he came back was more than enough for the Father. Isn't that the God we serve? Where grace abounds, sin. Oh, where sin abounds, grace supernaturally abounds. If he had more money, would he have sinned more? Yes. Yeah. Would that have stopped the father reconciling to him if he came back a month later? Yeah. So can you ask sin your salvation? You can't. Because salvation is not workspace, it's a gift, and that gift is to know God. And he knew his father a little bit. Think about it, he didn't know him well. He knew just enough to take a chance to go back. The series is getting to know God better. Did he know God, his father better after he came back? Yes. And was he now equipped with a testimony to go and tell the world about his father? And what was the message? The goodness, the love, the acceptance of the father. So did he. His father loved him. How did he know? Because someone told him? Because he knew that word. He, he was fully convinced because he experienced it. We can come to church Sunday after Sunday and hear a good word. But do we experience it? Do we taste and see the goodness of God? It's great to come for a good word and go to life group and, and, and get good word and get your noses in the Bible and get good word. It's great. But I know where I've taken leaps in my relationship with God was encounters. It's when someone prayed over me, and Shane prayed over me specifically, I remember very well, in Reddish Girl time one night. And I didn't know him by that stage really well, because the first night we came to church, um, Alicia organized a, a get-together for us to know everyone because we knew her. But Shane was in Zimbabwe, so he heard of us, but he didn't know us. The church was a bit smaller than he. And he shared a word on the sovereignty of God. 
And you know it's as if the, the, the earth opened up and I fell right in. <laughs> because everything that I built this hard house of life that I called life on was just blown over. And what I realized is that it was not God who caused the bad in my life. It was me. That's humility, baby. I sat there and I was shocked. I was rocked. I was, but in that vulnerable moment, in that time when I had to look into the mirror and man up and take responsibility for my decisions, for my fault, I went up and I said, Shane, you don't know me, but what you just said, like, I'm, I'm wasted. I'm, I don't know what's top and bottom. I don't know how the world works anymore. And he started praying for me and he, he had a word. And he saw a picture and he said, I see you as a five-year-old boy on a couch and something happens. And God says, what happened then was not from me. And what happened there was my parents came into the room and I was five years old. My brother was two. And my dad had big eyes and he said, your mass of water This was 2012 that Shane prayed this. This happened in 92. My world is falling apart because I'm realizing God is not in control of everything, that I have made decisions. And God ministers through Shane so beautifully to the root of why I have carried a weight that was never from God. You see, that's a godly moment right there. And what happened is I became, if you will, my brother's, not authority, but I mean, my mom and my sister was, was in hospital for a long time. And I potty trained my brother. As a five-year-old boy. Not because my parents were evil, but because my mom and my sister were, were sick and in hospital. Like fighting for their lives. And I took on me there a responsibility that was not from God, neither caused by God. Which determined and structured the relationship I have with my brother that I'm still trying to reconcile. Because I was very seldom a brother, but I was more of an authority. Because of the thief who came, the enemy now, the devil, who wanted to steal from our family the lives of my sister, unborn yet, and my mother. But that was not God. And you see the beauty of that ministry moment where I realized years later, 20 years later, I came to, to a mess. But it was because I was fed up of responsibility. Because I started carrying it at a much too young age because we live in a fallen world. But I had to rewire my thinking from that moment forward. And you know what I realized is I really was sincere in wanting to be a better Christian and wanting to grow and influence and leadership and all these things. But my thinking was God made bad things happen and then when we're down and out, then he, builds up, he breaks us down to build us up again. Like that type of thing. An encounter through another minister, a body, a brother, a godly encounter changed that. And through my renewal of my mind, I realized, listen, a lot of the mistakes in my life was my doing, and a lot of the bad was just the fallen world. So you know what that did for me? It made me trust God. 
subconsciously I stopped trusting God. Because I wanted to be sincere and growing, but I didn't really want the pain that came with it. And God just shows up. And He ministers freedom in that moment. I didn't say that I left there and everything was right. No. <laughs> I had to rewire my thinking. I had, I, 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 had, go, I, go, I had gone. Sorry, my English is... I had gone back to my brother and I said, Hey, I'm sorry. Like, I wasn't the brother that we had fun with as we should have. But there's a good reason for it, and it's not an excuse, but let's try again. Let's build from that place. And you know what happened? Because I started to trust God, I grew in faith. And because I realized that God is loving, that He's caring, faith works by love. So faith increased the more. And now we're living an adventure of faith, but if it wasn't for understanding the goodness and the knowledge and the true identity of who God is and why bad things happen and that God is not the one who gives and takes away, that God is not the one who breaks and builds up, that God is not any of that. And I know I'm dancing on a lot of toes now. Personally, that's where my journey started. Not my journey to get saved. I was saved by then. My faith journey. You see, we get saved by the faith of Jesus. We just say yes. But we live by the faith, the spirit faith, the fruit of the spirit, which is faith. That's why salvation faith is once off. But adventure faith is daily. Even multiple times a day. But if you know God, and you trust God, and you know that God is love, and you know that God is good, then when God calls you to resign your job and everyone thinks you're crazy but they know you're crazy enough that you're going to do it anyway, they can't talk you out of it, it comes from a fact that I trust my Father. It doesn't come, come from a place where I don't know who my Father is and will it happen and how will it come through. No, it comes from a place like, God, I don't know how it's going to work. But I know it's going to work. Last testimony. So, reading through the word and I feel God say resign come on an adventure come do more ministry Rel responsible individual recently married Afrikaans man that I am Lord how are you going to provide for me in my life I mean there's nothing wrong with that question that's, a, that's the first question <laughs> I read on 2 Corinthians 6 Verse 18 says, And I will be a father unto you, and you will be my sons and daughters. I asked God how. He answered why. Because the how can change. And it has. And it still does. And I'm always open to more streams of income because it's, it's nice. Don't be limited to one stream of income. Right? Why? I've got lots to say about the education system and the tax system and all of that, but this is not the place. But why did I change? Because you love us. Because he's father. Because you are sons and daughters. You are not slaves. You are not servants.
family of God, joint heirs with Christ. Do we even begin to fathom what that statement means? I'm not saying we don't need money. We need money. I'm not saying we don't need food and housing. Obviously we do. I'm just saying, forget about the how. And let's go on this journey of the why. Because he loves us. Because he loves us. Because he loves us. While you were yet sinners, he loved you so much that, that Christ put his life in the hands of evil people. He laid down his life so that you can be reconciled. So that you can be one with God. So that you can live eternity. Not one day, but today. This is life eternal, that you know God. Amen. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.